Welcome to the Grace Avenue Church Podcast, where we believe that the grace of God is yours to live. It is our prayer that this message will help you experience God's freedom, live your potential, and make the impact you were created for. Now here's the message. Great to be with you this morning, church fam. It's great to be with you. We are working on gathering again. Um, Next week, we will begin talking in more detail about that as a team and as a staff. Some significant progress has been made for us in ways that we are talking through. So again, can't give you any details yet, but I would say within the next month, you're going to hear something regarding a date, a specific date of when we're going to begin uh, gathering again and how that would look like in our first steps in phase one of how that would look like. So I'm excited. It's coming. Get ready for it. Be praying for the details to come together. Uh, It's going to be a good day. All right. So let's jump into this. I have been using this time. I don't know about you, but I've been using this time to really reset some things, to reset some things in my life, to reset some things, uh, honestly, in my heart and in my mind. Obviously, we've been talking about this series, Reset, uh, for quite some time now, but really this has been a season for us to reset as individuals, as families, uh, as a church, uh, but really as Christians. And I've been using this time to reset some things just in my life, reset the GPS of where I should be pointing to, what, what I should be heading towards, to put the first things first and to, to work those first things out so that they remain first. You know, that's, that's the challenge, right? We, we start with things and place them first, and then distractions come, challenges come, bad choices come, bad habits come, and the first things become secondary things. The things that were priority are now on the back burner. And I want to talk about how to keep those things there and how to get those things there. Today, I want to go through that. I want to talk about resetting your GPS, the GPS of the kingdom of God in your life. Say, we all have a GPS, right? Our phone, we pick up our phone. When we want a GPS somewhere, this tells us where we're going to go, where we're supposed to go. It tells us specifically where we are. And then it tells us where we need to go. It tells us the length of time it's going to take to get there. All of these things. GPS is pretty significant. Well, the kingdom of God that's in us. Jesus came preaching the kingdom. Really, there's a GPS system, for lack of a better term, in us the Holy Spirit's direction that's guiding us towards the ultimate destination that God has for us. And throughout Scripture, when it comes to you know, how we live our lives and, and how we go about our day and how we make priorities, the priorities of our life, Jesus mentions specific things that we're supposed to do first. He often says this throughout Scripture. He tells us what's non-essential, and then he tells us what we're supposed to prioritize. He clarifies that following him uh, requires an assessment and adjustment and then also an alignment in our life to keep the first things first. And so, um, for example, he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. And then he goes on and says, before you pull the splinter out of someone else's eye first, there's that word again, first pull the log from your own eye. Then he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is the first, there it is again, the first and the greatest commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. You cannot serve two masters. God must be first. You cannot serve God in money. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You You've left your first 
love. So we see a lot of times God is, is very clear about what's first. Here, here's a couple more. First, clean the inside of the cup so that the outside may be clean also. He's talking about the inner condition. Like, don't just look good on the outside. Let the inside of your life be cleansed. Let God have that. Let God do the work there first before you're just looking good on the outside. Come on. Uh, isn't that one of our biggest complaints in the world that we see things that are fake uh, and it, it, it bothers us to no end. But at the end of the day, all of us kind of wrestle with that to some degree because all of us are working things out on the inside and wanting God to work things out on the inside so that we're not fake on the outside. Okay, here's, here's another one. First, be reconciled with that person that you have an issue with and then come and bring your gift to me. Wow. He doesn't say, first, take your issue to social media so that you can get people mysteriously attached to your drama and wonder what's going on, but you not actually say it. You can just be passive-aggressive and talk about people. No, he doesn't say that. He says, first, go to that person and be reconciled. Let me, let me just stop there for just a second. In our immature social media world, we do not first go to social media to deal with our issues with people. We are Christians. We follow the Lord. We have the Holy Spirit. What we often lack is obedience, courage, boldness, humility, and repentance. And that's why we don't go and make things right with our brother or sister. We just take it to social media. Okay, please, let's be the church. Come on, church, let's be the church, the church of Jesus Christ. Be reconciled to that person that you have an issue with, and then come and serve at Grace Avenue, and then come and ask me to bless your week, and then come and ask me to bless your life. First, be reconciled, okay? I'll just leave that there on the stove and let it cook for a while, because that's not the point of the message. But I will say that that is the mark of maturity uh, for someone who uh, says they're a leader, is that they have the ability and the maturity to take things to people and work those things out. See, first means the highest place in our life. When Jesus is talking about first, there's no second first, third first, fourth first. No, there's just the first thing. There's the highest chief place in our life that he's talking about, to put the first things first. Nothing higher than the first thing. No dream, no goal, no standard, no achievement, no cultural norm, nothing that the world says is okay. What is the first thing that Jesus says? And then everything else follows underneath that, right? He says to seek, right? Seek the kingdom of God. Well, that's to be, what does it mean to seek? It comes from that Greek word, zeteo, which means to seek by inquiring, to search for. So we're actually supposed to be looking for in our life, the first thing. Looking for the first thing, which is Jesus. That GPS is supposed to be reset at times where it points us towards Jesus. Points us towards his answer. Points us towards what he's calling us to in this week, in this day, in this month. See, there is a war going on in your life right now. A war for your devotion to the first things. You're not just busy uh, you're not just stressed. You're not just worried about the future. There's a war for the first things in your life. There's a war for the devotion in your life. And the enemy would love nothing more than that devotion 
to be committed to anxiousness and worry and stress and fear and anxiety and frustration and you know, allowing the unknown and the future to dominate your thoughts. You know, who's going to be in office? Who's not going to be in office? What's going to happen, you know, to America? Well, look, God is bigger than America, and he's bigger than whoever gets into office, and his plan is greater than whoever gets into office. And we have to see that the first thing is always supposed to be the first thing. But more than a battle for your waistline or your success or your goals or what you're achieving is the first thing, Jesus, and the first things that he's calling you to. So when Jesus is saying these things, he's telling us about what should be the GPS system in our lives, that there should be something that directs us as we go on in life, that we shouldn't be getting too far away from these first things, that we should be living our life in pursuit, not passivity, but in pursuit of the things that are first Right? So Matthew chapter 6, let me read you this, this whole chapter because when we, we hear that verse, seek first the kingdom of God, what, where does it come from? Well, it comes from a, a greater chapter in Matthew where there's more to this than Jesus just blanket statement saying, seek first the kingdom of God. He actually says a lot of, the, a lot of things before this. Starting in verse 25 of Matthew 6, he says, therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about what you're going to eat or drink. Don't worry about your body or what you'll wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, listen to this, can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Can you add an extra hour to your life by worrying about the thing you're worrying about? No. He says, so why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They don't labor, they don't spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So don't worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans... Run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And then he repeats it. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself, for each day has trouble of its own. Jesus, in some ways, is basically sandwiching so much truth for us in this statement here. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We're going to worry. We're going to eat. We're going to drink. What's going to happen? What are we supposed to do? He's saying people who don't know God, this is all they're consumed by. But those who do know God have a different first in their life. And that's seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then he sandwiches in between each day being full of its own worry. Come on. Isn't every day a little bit more worrisome than the last day? There's something to worry about next week. 
When do you need to get new tires? When is this going to expire? When do you need to renew your lease? Where are you going to move? What job are you going to get? Are you going to get laid off? How long is this contract for? Is this enough to pay the bills? Come on, everybody is consumed with their own worry about tomorrow. And Jesus is individualizing this for each person, each one of us, and saying this, don't worry about tomorrow, whatever your state, for tomorrow will worry about itself. So that's a bold statement. He's making the statement that, that we're to be focused and resolute about seeking his kingdom, even when it comes to the most basic human needs that all of us have. You know, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? Where are we going to sleep? What's going to happen? Even those things he's saying, seek first the kingdom of God. So it begs the question for us, how do we know if we're seeking the wrong thing? How do we know if we're seeking the right thing? Well, we can tell if we're seeking the wrong thing by whether or not we're consumed by worry. Because this passage is focused so much on worry and what's going to happen. We can tell we're seeking the wrong thing if we're living in very unsettled places, if we're living anxious, if we're living fearful, if we're living, living you know, worried and, and our thoughts are dominated by what's going to happen or what is happening. But the whole world is unsettled. And the whole world is living with anxiousness. And people who don't know Jesus are living with fear of the unknown. And their concern often is that the next day could be the worst day of their life. That next year could be the worst year. That whoever gets into office, that, that whether or not they get the job or not, like their whole life is consumed by all these anxious thoughts. And Jesus says, that's not how we're supposed to live. That's not how he's called us to live. There's a bigger, broader viewpoint that he's trying to get across here. And he's not saying, don't worry, just so we'll feel better. He's trying to get us to discover what's actually first in our life. Have you ever had seasons in your life where you're walking through a season of life as a Christian and you discover that something's off? That something needs to change. That you're struggling. Come on, we all struggle. We've all been in these situations where we recognize things need to change. Yes, when you're in those seasons, what is God looking for? He's looking for alignment. For us to realign ourselves to his purpose, to his heart. Why is this so important? Well, the way we view Jesus and the way we view the kingdom it's so important. Look, here's, here's some things, and these come from uh, a great uh, book by Pastor Frank DiMazio, and I wanted to read these. These are just fantastic ways in which we view the kingdom of God. But the way we view Jesus in his kingdom, number one, it shapes our convictions. The way we view the kingdom of God, the way we view Jesus shapes our convictions, what we actually believe. When we walk out the doors in the morning and the way we treat people and how we deal with money and how we deal with people and how we deal with life and how we're going to treat people and strangers and people that we know, that shapes our convictions. When the first thing is first, it shapes our convictions. It shapes what we believe. Number two, it affects how we respond to pain and hardship. Look, you've been through pain. I've been through pain. You've been through hardship. I've been through hardship. We all have. But when Jesus is first and our hope is eternal, 
Our view of the kingdom shapes the way that we respond to pain and hardship. If I can be really honest this week, I had a pretty low week this week, just emotionally. There was some stuff that just hit me. Come on, you know when stuff from the past comes and it just makes itself known in your life, hurts or wounds or whatever, man, that just stuff just rose up and I didn't talk to anybody about it. I didn't really, you know, focus on trying to get it out there to anyone. I just, I just zoned in on trying to bring that pain under the eternal hope that I have in Jesus and it settled me. It didn't mean it wasn't strenuous. It didn't mean it wasn't painful didn't mean it, it didn't take a couple of days, but I had to bring my soul out of this place into this eternal hope because the first thing I'm seeking is Jesus and his kingdom. And so this affects how I view pain, how I view hardship. Number three, it gives us strength to deal with temptation. How how are you tempted in your life? Each one of us is tempted in various ways in different avenues in life, in different seasons in life, with different temptations in life. But our view of Jesus and him first shapes the way we deal with temptation. Number four, it keeps us faithful and courageous when we're facing impossibilities. Come on. I can't tell you how Grace Avenue Church has been built (laughs) facing impossibilities. Uh, It seems like every year there's a new impossibility that we're facing. Like how how are we going to get through this and work through that and overcome this? And God just year after year makes himself known and makes himself available in ways that we just didn't even know were possible. Can I be 100% honest about this last six months with Grace Avenue Church? I know there's been a lot of stress about the church and the future of the church for some people, and I know other pastors are are concerned about that. Can I just be 100% honest, and I'm not saying this with an, God, God forbid if I have an ounce of ego in this, but I have not been worried one time since we closed the doors. Not in the sense of overwhelming worry. Certainly concerned about where things are going to land and what's going to happen. But I've not been fearful. I've not been worried. I've been confident in God. And I'll tell you why. I've been through a whole lot worse. And I've seen, as I pastored people for a long time, I've seen people go through a whole lot worse. And I know what's possible when people keep Jesus first. So at the very least, at the very worst, my thoughts were this. Okay, we've built an incredible family God has drawn to Grace Avenue. They're strong. They're sticking together. We don't know where things are going to go, but we're still serving. We're still loving. We're still giving. We're still doing the best we can to honor Jesus, to live out his life in us. We're keeping him first. So whether or not we can gather now or six months from now or whenever that is, we're going to be fine. And I'm telling you how, I don't know if I would have handled that the same 10 years ago, but now it's a lot easier because I've seen by putting Jesus and the kingdom first in areas that want to dominate my mind and my heart with fear, it produces nothing. That, that, that's probably the most frustrating thing, that worry produces absolutely nothing. Not one thing. Venting on social media produces nothing. Worry on social media produces nothing. Fear produces nothing. And that's the reality that we live in as kingdom people. Though in Jesus, something shifts and something transfers in us when we live by faith. Something happens in us and something happens in others. And it opens the door for great possibilities. Number five, it determines our lifestyle and it dictates our philosophy. How we're going to live. 
What kind of lifestyle we're going to live? What kind of life we're going to live? Come on. Everybody right now is bathed in this last generation over the last 25 years of living out your own truth. People didn't used to say this, but if you're under 30, this is kind of normal for you where people just say, just live out your truth. Just live what, whatever makes you happy, whatever is your truth. That's just not what Jesus says. That's not what the Bible calls us to do. That's not why Jesus died so that you could live out your truth. He died so that we can live out his life in us and that his life in us could be lived out through us. And in doing so, we'd be living out his truth, not our truth. Because my truth may be different from your truth. And so we have to get the truth from Jesus about what truth is. When Jesus was going to be crucified, Pontius Pilate said, what is truth? And that question that was relevant then is relevant today. What is truth? But your view of Jesus and the kingdom will shape what you think is truth. And it will shape your philosophy in life. Number six, it gives meaning and significance to relationships. You know, in the kingdom of God, people are not just random strangers. They're brothers and sisters in Christ. They're people we'll spend eternity with. They're people that God may use to shape our life. You ever judge somebody really, really harshly and then find to come out, come to find out that they're a whole lot cooler than you thought they were? They're nicer than you thought they were? Maybe you're holier than me, but I know at times I've, I've judged people on an outer appearance or a first encounter and thought, I don't, I don't think I'm going to like this person. The truth is, I was misreading them. And they're really an incredible person. But I read them wrong, right? Well, there's significance in those relationships. There's significance there because uh, we can be wrong about people. In the kingdom, the view of the kingdom and the view of Jesus shapes the way we look at people. Number seven is this. It stimulates hope to go on regardless. Come on. If you have ever been at a crossroad where you don't know where you're going to go on, how you're going to go on, when your life has been wrapped up in someone else or around something or into a season and your life is all entangled in that and you start to take a step back from that and recognize that God is doing something bigger than maybe what you can see, you recognize Hope to go on regardless of what you're facing. And number eight, it aligns with our lives with biblical priorities. It aligns our lives with biblical priorities, with with what the Bible teaches us is God's desire for our life, for the way a man should live, for the way a woman should live, for the way we should raise our families, for the way we should handle our finances, for the way we should treat strangers, for the way we treat the poor. For the way we treat those who are rich, for the way we treat strangers, the Bible speaks so clearly. And if these things are not clear in our minds, they need to be clear. And that's why Jesus says, seek his kingdom first, because when the filter is Jesus and the kingdom of God, everything else beyond that becomes clear. What his desire is, what his heart is for us. In Psalm 63 Verse 8, David says this, My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. Let me say that again. My soul clings to you. Does your soul cling to God? Or does your soul cling to worry? Does your soul cling to fear? Does it it cling to 
your job, your circumstances. David said, my soul clings to you. David was saying, the thing I'm going to go after the most is you, God. I'm not just going after your blessings. I'm not just going after your dreams. I'm not just going after money and success and the things that define life for so many people. Lord, my soul clings after you. I'm chasing after you. I'm seeking you. I'm telling you, church, it is easy for the first things not to be first and to lose your thing, lose yourself in things that don't matter. To lose yourself in everything but the right things. I know I've been there, but that's part of our maturity. Not getting lost in the wrong things, but staying committed to the right things. Come on, it's easy to get lost in disappointments, to get lost in busyness, to get lost in success, to get lost in frustrations, to get lost in what they said or what they did or what he should have done or she should have done or what they didn't do. I've watched so many people disrupt and uproot their lives because of what someone else did rather than just facing the reality of what the situation is, disagreement. you have a habit of uprooting your life every time there's disagreement, uprooting from your church, uprooting from a relationship, uprooting from your marriage, uprooting from friendships. I, I knew this guy years ago. He, I remember he always, he, I started to notice a pattern in his life. He would say, well, that was my friend. He did, did this and that, but, but we had a falling out. And I noticed after like the fourth time he said this, not all in the same conversation, but over like a period of, of three or four weeks, I started to recognize, why do you have a falling out with everyone? <laughs> And I challenged him on it. And uh, he didn't like it too much. But nevertheless, I challenged him on it. Because I said, you, you say this a lot. Do you recognize that? Like, you said it about him. You said it about them. You said it about that person. And he didn't like it. This is a long time ago. Uh, when I first got saved, I just kind of came at you. I didn't really care what you thought. But I, I, I did that. I just came at him and said, look, man, you, you keep saying this. It's, this is obvious. There's an issue here. You keep having falling out with you. Is it really them or is there something in you that keeps you from staying, some sticking power with people? Because the view of Jesus in the kingdom, when you reset your GPS to see that God can work something out, if you get honest with yourself, if you get honest about yourself, not live in deception, not live in pride, not live in rebellion, not live in this place where, no, it's everybody else's fault, but mine. God can do incredible things. It takes honesty. It takes humility. There's a battle for keeping the first things first. And my hope to you this morning is that you would see that Jesus made it clear there's a choice. That we can make a choice seek him first seek the Lord seek his strength seek his face continually that's first chronicles 16 11 the Lord has looked down from heaven upon the sons of men to see if there are any who understand who seek after God look God is looking to see who is seeking after him that's Psalm 14 2 and then Hebrews 11 says without faith it's impossible to please him for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who seek him not just those who believe in him but those who seek him 
And so last week I mentioned that my prayer has been when, when Grace Avenue comes back into this next season, uh, as far as the gathering, we've never kind of left, but when we come back to the, the gathering, that I've been praying for God to stabilize the faithful and the faith-filled for the next season of Grace Avenue Church. That's who's going to take us into what's next. But that's going to be people who are active in their pursuit of him. Those who seek him. The question for us right now is always, what am I seeking right now? What am I pursuing right now? What's taking the first thing in my life, the first place in my life, the chief place in my life? I've found when I'm out of alignment, I have to get back into alignment. I don't need to ponder for six weeks on why I got out of alignment. I just need to get back into alignment. I don't need to spend four days depressed about being out of alignment. I just need to get back into alignment. I don't need to talk to six friends about how I got into a, out of alignment. I just need to get into alignment because the Holy Spirit draws us gently to come back to Him, to seek Him first. When you get saved, God saves you and aligns you with his calling and his purpose. But as time goes on, it's easy to drift, to get distracted, to get consumed by worry. This happens to all of us. This is, this is human nature. This is part of the fall. It's part of our theology of understanding the fall, that what happened to mankind in Adam affects us all. But in the new Adam, in Christ, we have new life. We have new hope. We have new covenant. And we can live this life out seeking after him even when we pulled away the question I want to close with is what are you absorbed in right now what patterns of thought what patterns of feeling let's check our feelings for just a second in a generation that exalts feelings over truth that exalts feelings over scripture that exalts feelings whatever you feel that's, that's what's king of your life usually that's, that's the language of our culture right now it's a very unhealthy philosophy that whatever you feel must be the truth. That whatever you feel, you must go to Google and, and self-diagnose and label yourself that that, that must be. It's very dangerous. Because Jesus takes people who are absolute failures and people who've wrecked their lives and brings them into his kingdom. He takes thieves and liars and broken people and people who've messed it all up and he draws them to himself and he makes something beautiful out of something broken be careful what you feel about yourself be careful what you think about yourself make sure that when you seek the kingdom of God that you're lining your thoughts up with the truth of who he says you are what are you absorbed in right now in this season maybe God is using this season to reset your GPS. Maybe as simple as plugging in the coordinates, the direction, the address that you want to head to. Maybe it's, it's that simple in this moment to set the course this morning for where Jesus would have you go as a man, as a father, as a business owner, as a student, as a mom. Whatever season you're in, you can reset the GPS. Come on, let's pray this morning.
Lord Jesus, I thank you that we have the opportunity to recognize where we're off, where we're misaligned. And grace gives us the ability to reset our GPS, reset our spirit, reset what our eyes look at, reset what our heart is going to be set on, reset what our mind is going to be set on. Lord, we reset this morning and put our hope in you. With all the taxing weights that we feel in our nation right now, God, we choose to live in your truth. We choose to live outside of the norm and against the grain and choose to be in this world but not of this world, to not be consumed by fear and anxiety and worry, but we choose to rest in you to find our rest in you, to find our hope in you. We choose to seek you first in your kingdom and trust that all these things will be added unto us. This morning, if you're wrestling with anxiety, if you're wrestling with worry, wrestling with fear of the unknown, if you're wrestling with misalignment, maybe maybe your priorities are off. Maybe it's not time to just recognize that but actually time to make some choices some decisions some habits that are that are going to align you with Jesus and it's not enough to just acknowledge that something needs to change it's to to make bold faith steps towards action to say Lord Jesus you're going to be king of kings in this area of my life and these areas of my life that you want to change Lord you are going to be king of kings See, when Jesus comes into our life and we say that he's King of kings and Lord of lords, we're not just saying that he's king in name only. He's king. He rules. He reigns. And oftentimes we want Jesus to be a counselor over our life rather than a king. We want to bargain with him and negotiate with But we don't do that with kings. We obey kings out of love and loyalty. So maybe it's time to stop negotiating. Maybe it's time to stop looking at God only as the counselor and look at him as the king and to reset your GPS this morning to say, Lord Jesus, be king over my family. Be king over my mind. Be king over my heart. Be king over this season. It may mean you get mocked by people. That may be a great sign that you're on the right track. Some of the hardest years of my life were crowning Jesus King over areas of my life. Temptations, areas where I wouldn't go, things I wouldn't do, places I wouldn't go, things I wouldn't say, stuff I wouldn't be around, and enduring some of the ridicule or the the guilt from people of saying whatever they would say. And you know, as the years go by, you recognize those people don't even play a a role in my life anymore. Yet I gave so much thought to what they were thinking about me in that time. There's a better way. Let the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords reset you. This morning, if you need to make that decision alone to make Jesus the Lord of your life, to reset your life and the path for your life, 
God says that if anyone would want to do that, they would simply need to confess that he's Lord, believe in their heart, and God would save them. That would mean asking for forgiveness of your sin. That would mean turning away from sin. That, that wouldn't mean anymore that you're in the same playpen with sin, but you're actually disassociating yourself with it and saying, I have lived my own way. I, I don't want to be in this atmosphere anymore. I don't want to live in this way anymore. I want God to be God over my life. And if you do that, Jesus says, he will make all things new. He will forgive you. He'll bring hope. He'll bring life into your, into your heart and into your future. Church fam, would you pray for, with me for just a moment as I pray for those who need to make a decision? I think this is so important as a church family that we never lose a passion for salvation. Salvation in the house of God. Salvation of people. Because right now some people need to make the decision to follow Jesus. To turn away from sin. To ask for forgiveness. To, to live their life with Jesus as king. And to not let that be words. But to show that their actions match their words. To reset their life. Church family, would you pray for, with me? Wherever you are in your seat, at home, in a car, at work. Lord, we thank you for those whose hearts are being stirred this morning. Lord, we get mis misaligned at times. We get off at times and find ourselves in true need of your truth, of who you are in life. Lord, your word says that if anyone believes and confesses that you're Lord, you, you'll save them. So this morning I ask that for those who are watching this morning that need to be saved, they need your saving grace to touch their life. Lord God, let them see that the work has already been done, that you paid on the cross for their life their future, their eternity. You paid the price for their sin. They don't need to pay you back. They don't need to make amends. They don't need to spend time backtracking. They need to reset their GPS. Trust. Live by faith and hope that you are their Lord. You are their Savior. Lord, I pray for anyone making that decision today. If that's you, just repeat this after me, say, Lord Jesus, today I ask for you to save me, to be the Lord of my life, to change me, to forgive me, and to set me on the path that leads to life and honors you. Lord Jesus, I reset my life today, and I crown you king in every area from this day forward. In your name I pray. Amen. Friend, if you prayed that this morning, that's a beautiful thing. And I would love to ask you if you would just do this for me. Would you type in the comments if you're watching today, I was saved today. If you were in church, I'd maybe ask you to raise your hand and I would just, I would have everyone applaud you and, and welcome you and we would just thank God for what he's doing. But we do that here now. But if you would just type that in the comments, I was saved today. Someone's going to reach out to you and know that you've made a decision 
and they're going to send you something and, and help you with your spiritual journey. We don't want you to feel like you have to do this alone. But if you can't type it in today, then send us a message through email, through our social media. Let someone know you made a decision to follow Jesus today. We want to help you with that. We love you. We're proud of you. Church fam, let's reset our GPS today. Let's keep the first things first. Let's remember that in this season, God is working all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. I love you. We'll see you soon. Take care. If you would like the most up-to-date information about Grace Avenue Church or you are looking for a way to support this ministry, please visit us online at graceavenuechurch.com. Thanks for listening.